The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your holy presence this morning, God, we come before you knowing that all of our righteousness is filthy rags. God, we need you this morning. Lord, we don't just need a little sermon. We don't just need, Lord, to, uh, to have a little service. But God, I pray this morning that the Holy Ghost will do the work that no man can do. I pray, dear God, this morning that you'll fill us. Lord, give us the words. Give us the wisdom. May we not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. But I pray, God, that you would be glorified and pleased with our worship. Speak to hearts on a personal level. Save the lost. Reclaim the backslid and stir the waters of revival in our soul. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning out of verse number one on the subject, a revival beyond belief. A revival beyond belief. The Bible says in verse number one, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, notice this, we were like them that dreamed. Amen. You see the psalmist here is talking about, this is one of the 15 psalms of degrees and uh, those psalms begin in Psalms 120 and they end in Psalms 134 and the psalmist here is talking about uh, the Babylonian captivity that they faced uh, as they went through uh, those 70 years of captivity. Uh, the decree has been given. They have been uh, given the right to go back home and now their captivity has been turned. And the Bible said here that when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them uh, that dreamed. Uh, I want us to think about that subject this morning on a revival that is beyond belief. Now, uh, sometimes uh, in this life, uh, uh, we look at the condition of our nation. We look at the circumstances that we are facing and that we are going through. And if you and I are not careful, we'll adopt the mentality that the God of the Bible is not the God of revival. That what God did in years of old and what God did in days of old cannot be done in America any longer. I'm gonna tell you, if I believe that this morning, I'd close my Bible, I'd go home and I'd never preach another sermon, amen? As the preacher already said this morning, we gotta get out of the survival mode and we gotta get in revival mode. Amen. We can't let COVID and we can't let uh, the, the government and the situations that's going on, the circumstances in our nation have an effect on our spirituality. Amen. Uh, listen, we're not in the last days uh, of just coasting the finish line, uh, but like an army, the army of God, uh, uh, we're to march on, uh, we're to press on, uh, we're to preach on, uh, we're to stand on in these last days. Amen. Uh, uh, we cannot afford uh, uh, to lose steam, but God can still send revival. And I want you to notice five things in this text this morning concerning the subject a revival beyond belief. First of all, I want you to see in verse number one, I want you to notice the revival in verse number one. See the deliverance as the Bible said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. Notice in verse number one, in this revival that God did send deliverance. Amen. 
You see the Lord in Job chapter 42 and verse number 10. He turned the captivity of Job after everything that Job had went through, after all the suffering, after all the trials, after all the questions, after all the discouragement that Job faced. You know what the Bible said in Job 42, 10? That the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Amen. Hezekiah experienced the same thing against the Assyrians as God brought deliverance and turned the captivity of Hezekiah. And Peter experienced it in Acts chapter 12 as the preacher was talking out of that book this morning. Herod had him locked up and it looked hopeless and it looked like there was no way out. But God unlocked the doors and God unlocked the shackles and God made a way when there was no way. Hallelujah. My God delivers again. Amen. And so we see here uh, the deliverance. Go get me some water, brother, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Thank you. You have to water a mule every now and then, don't you? Amen. And so uh, uh, the revival, we see the deliverance. Uh, and then, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, we see the disbelief. The Bible said uh, we were like them that dreamed. Uh, I mean, they could not believe it, uh, that they're getting to go back home. Uh, they could not believe that God has turned their captivity. I mean, you think about that. 70 years in captivity. Uh, the walls have been destroyed. Uh, uh, listen, there's been three passages through Jerusalem and they've ravished the city and they've taken all the holy vessels. Thank you, brother. And they've taken everything. And for 70 years, it's looked like there was no hope. But all of a sudden, God brings deliverance and it's unbelievable. Has God ever answered a prayer for you that when he answered it, let's just face it, it was like a dream. It was to the point of disbelief. Now, some people act like they never have no problem with doubt, but though they have a bigger problem, it's lying. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, there's people that they've stood and they've talked about trusting God and They've talked about faith and they've talked about believing God. And since COVID came out, you can't find them with a search warrant. Amen. I mean, every time uh, the, uh, uh, the numbers go up a little bit, they get nervous. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I talked to a physician this week uh, and he told me, he said, you know, he said, do you watch much news? I said, no. And we were just talking. I said, I don't trust them no more than I trust anybody else. And he said, I'm with you. Amen. And he said, you know, he said, they just tell you what they want you to believe anyway. They're talking about a physician, amen. And he said, you know, they're, they're talking about how high the numbers are in Tennessee, how high they are in Georgia. He said they broke a record. And he said they got people in pandemonium about all this that's going on. He said, but what they're not telling you is that it's just the cases that have went up. It's not the hospitalization. He said it's not near as bad as what they want you to think, but that doesn't fit their narrative, amen. And so we're living in that society. I'm telling you, if you get your eyes on the world, you get your your eyes on the news. You get your eyes on everything. You'll never believe God will do anything. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, what separates us from this world is that we have a God that'll help us. We have a God that'll deliver us and God can still send revival. We just got to believe God. He can turn our captivity. I'm telling you, whatever you're facing this morning, it may look hopeless. It may look like the situation can never be turned, but God specializes in taking hopeless situation. Hey, when hope's all cold, help's on the way. Hallelujah. 
And I see the revival in this situation. And then I see the reaction. Look at verse number two. Notice the reaction among the people. As the Bible said, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. When God turned their captivity, you know what happened? God's people started laughing again. They started singing again. Look at verse number three. The Lord, or verse number, uh, verse number uh, three. The Bible said, "Yes, the Lord hath done great things for us." Notice whereof we are glad. Can I tell you some of the saddest, longest, uh, most depressing faces you see nowadays? It's not in a beer joint, which I hadn't been there, by the way. But it's in, a, it's in a church house. People come to church a lot of times and they look like they've been sucking persimmons or they look like they've been chewing briars or eating a gallon of sauerkraut. They look like their mother-in-law moved in with them, you know, and they're just depressed. They're just discouraged. I mean, they look like they lost their best friend and they go to church. They say they're saved by grace, say they're right with God and say they want to have revival, but they can't even and put a smile on their face. I'm gonna tell you something. If I struggled to smile, I'd be in a corner somewhere that's trying to do some business with God. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, God will put joy in your heart. He'll put gladness in your soul. He'll put a smile on your face. I'm saying this morning that if we're right with God, God's people ought to be a happy people. Amen. We ought to be a joyful people. We don't have anything to complain about. We don't have anything to murmur or to feel sorry for ourselves about God's been better to us than what we deserve we're not he doesn't owe us anything we're not entitled to nothing amen I'm telling you we ought to just be happy that we are in the house of God this morning and there ought to be some gladness isn't that right I feel like preaching and I may preach till 1230 this morning just to make the devil mad and a few backsliders, by the way. Isn't that right? I'm just saying this morning, God help us. Uh, people go to church with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, go to her, a church with malice in their soul. Uh, go to church, my friend, holding a grudge. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, God been so good to us. Uh, we ought to, it ought to be so free when we go to church. Uh, we ought to be so happy when we go to church. Uh, you say, well, uh, preacher, you don't know what kind of week I've had. No, uh, but I'm telling you, it ought to not make no difference. What can I tell you? We've had it better than most people around this world. Isn't that right? What I do know is this. When God sends revival, people are happy. When God sends revival, you can hear laughter and joy and gladness. I never have want to sit around depressed. Somebody say amen. I never have want to just sit around and just, you know, throw a pity party. What joy is there in that? I've heard all my life that America is too far gone. But can I tell you this morning, if that's the case, you'd have a hard time convincing Nineveh that because Nineveh was further gone than America is right now. But God sent revival, amen. Israel, my friend, listen, she was completely off the map until 1940. And looked like she'd never have another homeland. But she had a promise. And God keeps his promise. And those promises in that book will come true. And in 1948, God put her back in society again. I'm simply saying, God can send revival. But when revival comes, the reaction among the people is that we're happy. Amen. I've been pastoring long enough to know this. You call revival meeting. 
90% of the church will be happy, but there's always that little percentage. They, some they don't care because they're not coming anyway. They've never come. They never will come. Then there's the other crowd. They get mad because we're having revival. And the reason they get mad is because they've got to figure out how many days they're going to come and how many days they're going to come up with excuses for not coming. I don't listen, don't. And if you're mad because I'm preaching this, it's because I just called you out. You know, they'll have a thousand reasons why. You know, uh, and the, the bottom line is this, uh, and you know I about come to the place, I'm not there yet, but I about come to the place, if you don't want to be here, don't be here, but I'm not there. I'm telling you, even if you're miserable, I want you to come because you might get right with God, amen? But I'm telling you, listen, you say, well, preacher, why we got to have so many revivals? Because bless God, we need it, amen? I'm telling you, if you don't have a revival about once a quarter in your church, uh, it'll go belly up in about 30 days, amen? And I'll tell you what else you need. Uh, you need some old-time leather lung, hide uh, skin, and preaching, amen, uh, to keep the preacher in the right place, to keep the members in the right place. Uh, I mean, friend, it's Katie bar the door from here to who knows when. Uh, I'm just telling you uh, uh, the reaction is if we're going to have revival, if we're going to have any joy, uh, we're, listen, if we're going to have any gladness, we're going to have to have revival. Isn't that right? It brings happiness. It brings joy. And for time's sake, I'll move on, but I see the reaction is among the people. They're glad they're out of captivity. You know why some people are so miserable in church? They're in bondage. They're living in bondage. They're trying to live a double life. And therefore, they're miserable. The reaction among the pagan, notice at verse number two. The Bible said here that they said among, that then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. I'm going to tell you, when this revival took place, it not only got the attention of the saved, but it got the attention of the lost. It got the attention of those that were living in Babylon. They, they realized that God, they, they didn't even believe in the God and Jehovah as far as uh, they didn't worship him, they didn't serve him. But I'll tell you, when God turned the captivity of Zion and sent them back home, uh, I'll tell you what it did. Uh, even the heathen had to step back and say, God had done some great things for Israel. I'm telling you, that's the kind of revival we need, uh, not an emotional stirring. Uh, I'm so tired of being stirred and not being changed. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, we don't need just an emotional, uh, listen, or pep rally or something. I, I tell you what we need. Uh, we need a meeting that'll go to the house with us. Uh, help us clean our closets out. Uh, help us clean our lives up. Uh, get us on our knees. Uh, get us in that book. Uh, uh, get us a witness and have a burden for souls. Uh, I'm talking about a revival that the world can look at me and look at you and say, you know what? They're not the man. They're not the woman that they used to be. Uh, something is different. Something has changed. Uh, I'm talking about when God uh, brought them out of bondage it got the sinner's attention and when you get right with God it will get other people's attention amen I see the revival I see the reaction and then I notice the request notice here this morning verse number 4 they said turn again our captivity O Lord has the streams in the south you said but now wait a minute preacher they've just been brought out of captivity that's the danger. 
Israel has been brought out. They've been given the, the, the decree has been signed and they can go to their homeland. But I want to tell you, friend, many got so comfortable in Babylon that they were not willing. So they had lived in bondage and captivity so long that they had become like the Babylonians and the desire that they once had when they first came into Babylon to go back to Jerusalem had left many. They had got become so worldly that they did not want to go back home. They did not want to rebuild the walls. They did not want to raise their children where they once had been when they had raised. They had become accustomed and they got adjusted to this world. I want to tell you this morning, you and I have got to be very careful that we don't settle down and cool off, that we don't become comfortable in this world. I'm telling you, we can be in this world, but we're not to be of this world. We're not to live like this world. We're not to look like this world. We're not to act like this world. We're not to think like this world. I'm telling you, we're not of this world this morning. But my friend, the prayer in verse number four is Lord, turn again. There's a greater captivity. There's a stronger hold than what the king of Babylon had. And that is that self was sitting on the throne in a lot of their lives. And they were not willing to give up the life that they had to go back to what they used to be. I'm gonna tell you, if you and I have revival, then my friend, listen, the reaction is and the request has got to be, oh God, send revival, turn our captivity, amen. You see, the reason most churches are not having revival is simple. They don't want to. Do we want revival? Do we? Do we want God to do something this year? Do you want God to challenge you and change you? Do you want God to knock the rough edges off of your life? Do you want God to put some demands in our life? Oh, preacher, I don't know if I want that. Well, then that's where most people are at today. Now, there are some people they, I understand as a pastor, and I've said it a thousand times, and you've heard it a thousand times. There are some people that have compromised health, and I understand that. But let's face it. COVID was a great excuse for a lot of people. They were tired of church like we heard the preacher say this morning long before COVID ever came. Brother, I, I can't speak for the world and you can't, Nathan. I can't speak for the church down the road. I, I can't speak for the pastor down the road. But all I can tell you is this morning is that I want God to do something I want him to keep doing something in this church, don't you? I'm telling you, I don't want to just come in on Sunday and draw a paycheck. I don't want to come and, and, and count the benefits and, and, the, and the years of being here. I don't want to start looking for a retirement. I'm not interested in none of that this morning. I'll tell you what I'm interested in, in a visitation from another world. I'm interested in a decade from now, still having a place on the side of the road where young people and homes and families can come and raise their children up and feel the breeze of heaven, my friend, cross over their soul. I want to have a place that where souls are being saved and lives are being changed and missionaries are going out. I'm talking about there's got to be a request if we're going to have revival. If we don't pray for it, we won't have it. And I notice in verse number four, there's a, there's a bigger prayer, turn again our captivity. There's a bigger person as he says, oh Lord, there's a bigger picture. 
that is the streams in the south. You see the captivity that he's also thinking about here. And if you read the Psalms, you know this. The psalmist is always thinking as those Jews were. They were always looking for that kingdom to come. So when the decree has been given to go back home, they're not just thinking about going home and building the walls and building back the city of Jerusalem on an earthly plane. But they're looking for that Messiah to come. They're looking for that king to come. They know that when he comes, there's gonna be a kingdom in Jerusalem like there's never been before. And every time the psalmist would write, uh, he would always have his mind thinking about that millennial time uh, when Messiah would come and would establish his kingdom here on earth. Uh, and here he's looking uh, at streams in the south. Uh, he said, oh, uh, Lord, would you turn it on? Uh, God, would you send uh, uh, the refreshment? Would you send the real revival that we've really been looking for? Would you send the king of glory? Would you send him this morning? That's what we need. You see, we don't need a scheduled revival. What we need is a spirit of revival to rest on the church where God is moving and God is working where he's stirring the hearts and souls are being saved. My friend, that comes uh, when we pray and the request of verse number four ought to be the request of every child of God. Turn again our captivity, O Lord. God send revival to Bible Baptist Church. God send revival to the pulpit. God light a fire in the preacher. God help the preacher. God light a fire in the Sunday school department. Lord light a fire uh, in the visitation program. God light a fire uh, in the pews. Uh, Uh, set these pews on fire Uh, get us thirsty get us hungry for something more than just the the abnormal Lord just give us a desire would you send it as streams in the south let it flow in every direction let it get a hold of us the request the reaction the revival notice in verse 5 the reply he said they that sow in tears shall reap in joy I see the sowing the sobbing the tears, we need our tears. The shouting, they'll reap in joy. But when you think about the order of that, there has to be a sowing process. Sowing is work, isn't that right? There has to be a sobbing process. There's got to be some tears. Our, our Savior, he sobbed and he shed tears. In Luke chapter 11, he sobbed over a man by the name of Lazarus. He sobbed outside the city over a nation the nation of Jerusalem. In Gethsemane's garden, he sobbed over the entire world. As Hebrews said, with strong crying, he offered up his prayer to God. Jesus crying for a man. He prayed and cried for his nation. And then he prayed and he cried for the whole world. World evangelism was in his soul. He did not forget his own city, his own Jerusalem. And then he brought it down to every man. As he had a burden, he sold in tears. I'm telling you, in a lot of our churches, our tear ducts have dried up. I'm telling you, listen, people have become, listen, their hearts is full of phallograms and it needs broken up and it's going to take preaching to bring the tears back in this generation. I'm telling you, friend, we need to have a tear in our eye. We need to have a broken and a contrite spirit. God is nigh unto them that'll weep, amen, and we need weeping. The Bible said weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning and if we're going to see the morning of revival and the morning of refreshing, it's going to take some folks that'll get on an altar or get in a secret place somewhere and weep and shed tears once again 
How long has it been since they've fallen from your face? I will tell every parent here this morning, when you discipline your child, you let them weep. Don't whip your child and then tell them to quit crying. You let them weep. When God chastises me and you, he lets us weep. He's going to preach your why is that a big deal? My children were coming up. I let them weep. You say, why is that? Because I didn't want them to get hard. I didn't tell them to suck it up. I let them weep. Now, if they were crying and didn't have a reason, I gave them something to cry about. Is that right? But I didn't want them to get hard. I'm telling you this morning, the soul and the heart of the average church member is like concrete. They've heard so much preaching has been, and how God help preachers. We, we need to pray for preachers this morning that they will have courage in the pulpit. Not be afraid to, to look the congregation in the eye. Not be afraid to, to preach the truth. Not be afraid when they make a, an ugly face or, or stick their tongue out at you. Y'all don't think that happens, do you? I've seen people frown while I was preaching. It used to bother me years ago. But now I'm telling you, it's just like a coon dog. When he, I mean, somebody frowns, you know you've got one cornered. That's right. So what do you do? I back up and come again. I don't say that to be mean. I'm telling you that that just means there's a hard heart uh, and they need preaching. If anybody needs preaching, uh, I'm telling you we're living in the day uh, when preachers want to water it down. And I don't believe in being mean. I don't believe in being rough. Uh, but I'm telling you people need preaching now more than they've ever needed it. Amen. Uh, and brother, it's not a time uh, for a bunch of mansy pansy preachers. Uh, I'm telling you, see what makes a preacher bold? i tell you what it is. Uh, it's when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of him. Uh, it's when a burden gets in his soul. He can't help but look a congregation in the eye and deliver the burden that's in his soul. He's not trying to be mean. But the urgency of the hour, the complacency in the pews, the apathy that's in the pulpit is driving him to preach. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we ought to lift up our voice like a trumpet and cry loud and spare not. I'm telling you, they ought to not be a stone unturned when we get through preaching. We need it in this hour. We need it. God help us. Oh, God, help us. We need it. If you love your church, you better weep for your church. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to wake up one day and it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. You think it's always going to be this way? I'll tell you as a pastor this morning, the greatest fear outside of me falling that I have is, oh God, please don't leave us to ourselves. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not preaching to be preaching. I feel awake this morning. I look on the faces of people that... This morning, God help us. If I had something in my soul this morning, and I mean that, nothing between my soul and the Savior, 
Keep the way clear and let nothing between. If I had something in my soul this morning, I wouldn't even wait for an invitation. I wouldn't wait for two verses. I wouldn't care what somebody in this building thought about me this morning. I'm telling you, you think about the cost of losing your church. You say, well, well, we'll still have a crowd. You might have a crowd. Well, preacher, uh, we'll still have a preacher. You might even have a preacher. I'm talking, I'm talking about God. There's a lot of them got nice buildings and big crowds and big bank accounts. Friend, all they have is a form. Oh, this morning, what about it? I, I, if we could weep, we could have revival, church. I'm telling you, if we can get our tears to flowing, I'm telling you the power from on high would come. The rejoicing would come. He that goeth forth, the sower, the seed bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I, I read the story of a man that he said his wife got under such a burden for him to be saved that she literally begged him to go to church. And he said reluctantly, he said, I put on a tie and a dress shirt and a tie and he said, I went to church and sat there through the service miserable and went home. He said, on Monday, he said, as I was making my way out the door to go to work, he said, as my foot started to cross the threshold, he said, a voice spoke to me and said, what if you go out that door and have an accident and you go to hell? He said, it stopped me. He said, I went back and he said, I sat down in the living room and he said, I lit a cigarette and I smoked the cigarette he said, after I finished that cigarette, he said, I got back up and he said, I started out that door. And he says, I started out that door. He said, that voice said, what if you go today to work and you have an accident and you go to hell? He said, I couldn't go out the door. He said, I went back upstairs. He said, I got on my knees and I got saved. I want to tell you why that man got saved. Because somebody got a burden God, help us this morning to get past our little old selves. And I said us. To get past our schedules, to get past our little pity parties. I don't know why I'm saying that this morning, but I know it's right. God, help us this morning to get past our successes and get on our knees and say, Lord, as the old songwriter said, I need thee every hour. God, we need you. We need you, Lord, to send revival to this church. God, if you don't breathe on Bible Baptist Church, you know what will happen to us? What's happened to every church? We'll have a few more days, a few more good years of mechanical operation of jubilee or revival meetings. We'll just go through the mechanics of what so many have went through, but no real presence of God, no real touch, no real stirring, no real moving. I'm telling you this morning, the Holy Ghost put that Sunday school together.
this morning. I'm not saying that because Brother Ellis is sitting here. When Brother Danny called me and said, I'm not going to be able to teach, I started praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I couldn't get anything on my heart. Nothing. All the way up to last night, I said, Lord, I, I don't know what. And I finally asked, Lord, I'm just going to go to Sunday school and see what happens. And when he walked in this morning, God said, get him to preach. Now, he didn't preach a sermon that would make us run the aisles. Amen. He didn't preach a sermon that would make us hang from the chandeliers. But he preached a sermon that demanded a response in all of our hearts this morning. I asked my, ask you the same question the Holy Ghost asked me sitting right over there. What's your attitude concerning what you've heard this morning? I mean, well, the Lord knows how to ask some direct questions, don't He? He knows how to get down to where we live, where the rubber meets the road. And this morning, you don't have to come to the altar. I'm not going to think any different of you if you come to the altar or stay in the pew. I mean that sincerely. The only thing I ask you to do is obey the Lord. Obey God this morning. And I'm telling you, you're, our families, our children, our churches, he told it this morning. So many are closing their doors, and let's be honest about it. There's so many of them, they should close their doors. Because God hadn't been there in so long. But I don't want it to happen here. I don't want to get to the place. And I'm telling you sincere, I'm talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me as your pastor this morning. I never, by the grace of God, I don't want to ever get to the place where I take the Lord and I take you for granted. I don't. I don't ever want to get to the place where we, I trust the music program the preaching, the ministry. I don't want to get to that. I just don't want to be there. And I never want to get to the place where I get so hard and so calloused that I let something get a hold of me that it robs me of my joy, that it hinders my walk with God or my walk with somebody. I just don't want to get to that place. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm being as honest as I know how to be. My whole flesh is like yours could happen. It could happen in just a moment. Father, Lord, we, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for you this morning. That you're God and besides you there is none other. It's all about you this morning. We need you. Oh God, we need you. Help us this morning, Lord. Help us as a people. Help us as a church. Oh, God, send the winds of revival. I have no idea what would grieve you this morning, but whatever it is, help us to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, God. Lord, they could be two people in this church to get right. And it could be the key to revival. I don't know. Holy Ghost, please walk up and down the aisles of this church. 
Oh, Lord, finger around our hearts. And Lord, help us. If there be any wicked way in us this morning, help us, God. Help us to be sensitive. Help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name, this morning as we stand, we're going to sing. What are we singing, brother? Have thine own way. I tell you this morning, let's sing it from our heart. Let's, it's not just an invitation song, but let's really sing it to the Lord. If you can't sing that, then you need to come this morning. But let's sing it to Him this morning.